to the podcast with no limits whether it be sports current events or random thoughts this is the place to step in and stay a while your host is a proud alumnus of rio hondo prep a former minor league baseball umpire and a man with strong opinions welcome to the get home safe podcast and your host matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Happy 4th of July to everybody out there. Independence Day, as it has come to be known. And for those watching on YouTube, you can definitely see we've made a few changes here to the, the studio, briefly anyway, just a little bit more American flags. And I'm, I'm sporting the American flag cowboy hat that I wore back on uh, in, uh, Memorial Day on the Memorial Day episode. So uh, I think you guys know what today is all about. It's July 5th when you guys are hearing this for our Monday episode, but I am recording on July 4th. Um, I, I felt, uh, you know, wasn't sure what I was going to talk about. I wrote a few things down. Uh, hopefully you guys bear with me today, but I hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July and um, really appreciated the freedoms that we do have in this country. I shouldn't have to tell anybody that, but it does seem that Sometimes these days, uh, you know, there's this attack on America. There's this hatred of America. And we've always kind of felt that from the outside world, not every country or anything, but it's sad that it, it comes from within these days. And America is nowhere near perfect. It, it, it never has been. No country has. And it's, it's had its, uh, its fair share of negativity and, and mistakes it's made. But uh, overall, the overall big picture, I think there's, there's not a better place in this world uh, opportunity and freedom. And uh, in, in 2021, although some people want to reflect back on some pretty negative times and some dark times, I think there's been a lot more, uh, a lot more light in this, in this world from America than, than darkness. So happy 4th of July to everyone out there. I'm just going to read a couple things today, a couple things that uh, I, I always think of with 4th of July. I do. I first must apologize. We're not standing during the national anthem here uh, that we started our show off with. It was a little tough to navigate the controls. 
Um, I kind of threw that together last minute. So my apologies. There's no excuse for not standing. So I'm not even going to say that uh, it was okay that I didn't do that. Uh, I was inspired actually last week. Um, I'm not going to really talk much about sports today. There's two things I'll touch on at the very end, the NHL Stanley cup final. And uh, of course the, uh, the final uh, college world series uh, ending and everything. I'll talk a little bit about that, but only a couple minutes. Today's about America. Today's about celebrating uh, America and uh, our, our independence. But I was so inspired. I was watching the NHL Stanley Cup uh, final, and I think it was game two. And uh, Lieutenant Ty Edwards, uh, forgive me. I, oh, I wrote all this down. I don't know if it was Marines or Army. Uh, shame on me. But anyway, uh, he came out. They did the national anthem for the Stanley Cup final. And this guy's in a, in a wheelchair and clearly was been wounded in combat um, with the assistance of his uh, caretaker, I guess you would say, for the national anthem next to the singer, uh, worked his way out of the wheelchair and stood uh, patriotically for the national anthem. So I, I tell you that story because uh, I actually didn't think about the, the whole standing up thing as I'm playing the anthem here to start the show. Uh, I didn't think about standing until about halfway through and I'm like, oh man, it's like too late now. So, oh, I'm already off to a bad start when, when uh, Ty Edwards, God bless you, sir, for your service and sacrifice. He, uh, he inspired me earlier in the week when I saw that game two standing out of a wheelchair can, cannot walk, can barely stand, but stood up for the national anthem, a truly uh, just amazing moment. And there's a lot of moments like that where you see former uh, members of the military and those wounded in combat who, rise up out of their chairs and stand for the anthem. And uh, one of the big moments in history was when um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, who was the the president, former president of the United States in the forties, when he was wheelchair bound and was what, you know, was, I don't know how much of this is true. I believe it's true with the whole, when he was talking about some military, you know, objectives in in world war two and things. And people would say, well, it's, it's impossible. It can't be done. And he would stand up out of his chair and said, don't tell me what's possible. So uh, whether all that's 100% true or not, I don't know, but it's pretty cool to think about. Um, let's see here. So I have a few things I want to talk about, specifically in regard to uh, the beginning of the Revolutionary War, the Declaration of Independence. And, and also I have written down here a, a nice thing I came across, a nice little article. It's, uh, it's called 11 Ordinary People Who Aided the Revolution. So... I don't think you guys necessarily were going to get a history lesson here. It's just kind of remembering, remembering some important moments from our history. Because I know a lot of people want to rewrite our history these days. And uh, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't think that that's, uh, you got to know your history, even the, the rights, the wrongs of it. You got to know it all. Uh, it, it's important. I mean, we all have families, right? We all have families and have had experience with family, some, some, fun times, some not so fun times. And I think you need all those. You don't need to, to dwell on the negativity, but it's important to kind of know, know a history. And I, again, I think overall is what matters. It matters in the big picture, the big scheme of things. So uh, a few things I do want to read here. Uh, I mentioned, I'll talk briefly, very briefly, if, if at all on the, cause you know, who really cares about <laughs> the hockey playoffs and the college baseball uh, world series? Uh, you know, it's all said and done with, there's been a buildup and uh, today's Independence Day, literally for me and, and you guys listening tomorrow. Hopefully everyone's off on Monday, July 5th. I believe they are. Let me see here. I can't see if, it, if it's on the calendar, but uh, I know I am. So I'm very happy about that. 
And uh, it's kind of cool having the 4th of July to celebrate knowing you got a day to recover. You know what I mean? From some of the uh, over-celebrating, we'll say. Oh, there was another thing I, uh, I wanted to read you guys that maybe I'll end with because it was a uh, rather funny in, in regards to uh, the founding fathers. But uh, let me pull this up too. Sorry, this is like a work in progress. I had some time over the weekend to think about a few things, and um, I had to uh, I had to really piece this all together last minute. And what am I going to talk about? Let me put up a bunch of flags all over the room here, and uh, and go from there. So happy Fourth of July, to everyone! For those uh, listening, we got uh, the, the regular standard American flag in the background on my wall that has all the. Uh, names of everyone lost in September 11th. I got my little American flag here, uh, desk flag. I got one thing Valerie bought me. It's a United States of America with an American flag on it. And it has the uh, Pledge of Allegiance written in the flag. And then I got my cowboy hat on here. And then, of course, my outkick the coverage uh, American flag T-shirt with a DBAP, DBAP uh, all over, written all over the uh, the American flag there, forming the American flag. I'll let you guys look up what uh, what DBAP means. But anyway, Independence Day, a special day. And, uh, you know, I want to first to think about today, to have a good time today, to enjoy the fireworks, to enjoy the barbecue, to, to drink uh, lots of beer, to drink lemonade or whatever, whatever floats your boat, however you celebrate. Maybe have some s'mores at night. I know we did that a few times as a kid. Uh, however you celebrate, in order to celebrate all that stuff, which is wonderful, we got to first go back. We got to go back uh, quite some time ago. And, uh, you know, July 4th, 1776, it's kind of when, when, not necessarily when it all began, but it's kind of was, uh, there was a buildup. There was a buildup to, to this conflict, right, with Britain. And there were some other events that, that we'll touch on there. But I think the, the, the main event, the kickoff, if you will, uh, was probably July 4th, 1776, when our founding fathers uh, put forth the official document to to uh, England saying, we are declaring our independence. And then it took, you know, there was more fighting and things that occurred after that. But uh, I did want to read this to you because it had some interesting language in it. I don't know how many of you guys have read the Declaration of Independence, not just a few words here and there. And I'm not going to read all of it because it's very long and there's some, uh, what would you call them? They submit their their grievances to the king uh, in specifics, and I won't kind of go into that, but I'll kind of read before and after that because it has some interesting language, and I think some of it is even relevant to today, I'll say. Um, I'll let you guys use your imagination, but truly think about this. I want you to think about the founding fathers who, when they were putting this together, they knew more than likely um, they were signing away their death sentence. And maybe not just themselves, but their families, their loved ones, who knows what would, what would have occurred had uh, they been captured and, um, you know, tried for treason, basically. So um, I want to read this to you guys. I think it's important. Get a quick sip of coffee here. It, it's his coffee right now, but I promise you in celebration uh, later on, I'll make the switch quite, uh, quite soon here to, uh, to indulge a little bit in the celebration of America. However, in Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. 
a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the cause which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the cons consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same objective ev evidences, evidences a design to reduce them under absolute deposition, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient suffrage of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their forms system of a government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishments of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. Then a very long list of uh, facts is submitted that uh, I won't read for you now. If you'd like to read them, please do so. I encourage you guys to uh, read the Declaration of Independence at least once a year. I think it's important. Okay, I continue. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable ju ju jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the cir circumstances of our immigration and settle settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably corrupt our connections and correspondence. These two have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consiguity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And that as free and independent states, 
They have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providers, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. From Georgia, Button Gwinnett, Lyman Hall, George Walton. From North Carolina, William Hooper, Joseph Hughes, John Penn. From South Carolina, Edward Rutledge, Thomas Hayward Jr., Thomas Lynch Jr., Arthur Middleton. From Massachusetts, John Hancock. From Maryland, Samuel Chase, William Packer, Thomas Stone, Charles Carroll of Carrollton. From Virginia, George Wythe, Richard Henry Lee, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Harrison, Thomas Nelson Jr., Francis Lightfoot Lee, Carter Braxton. From Pennsylvania, Robert Morris, Benjamin Rush, Benjamin Franklin, John Morton, George Clymer, James Smith, George Taylor, James Wilson, George Ross. From Delaware, Caesar Rodney, George Reed, Thomas McKean. From New York, William Floyd, Philip Livingston, Francis Lewis, Lewis Morris. From New Jersey, Richard Stockton, John Witherspoon, Francis Hopkinson, John Hart, Abraham Clark. From New Hampshire, Josiah Bartlett, William Whipple. From Massachusetts, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, Elbridge Gary. From Rhode Island, Stephen Hopkins, William Ellery. From Connecticut, Roger Sherman, Samuel Huntington, William Williams, Oliver Walcott. From New Hampshire, Matthew Thornton. I wanted to read you guys the names of those who signed the Declaration of Independence. Some of those names you've heard, but some you, you may not hear or know of unless you read the Declaration of Independence and see the names themselves. So I think it's important that, that these men uh, did this for us. They, they took that step forward. And I want to look up something real quick, if I remember. Um, uh, let me see here about some of those men. I, I should have probably looked this up beforehand. Uh, let me see the repentance. Anyway, uh, you recognize some of those names, I'm sure. And, and again, they were from various states or of the colonies, I should say. And, uh, and, and just, uh, if you really, really think about it, just a scary, scary thing to do. We've all signed our names before. Think about it, whether it be, um, you're making a, you're, I don't know, you're, you're signing a credit card slip, you're signing uh, uh, papers to, to purchase a home or, or buy a car or, or whatever, um, whatever you could, uh, you could, you got to do. You sign, we all sign our name, right? It's something we learned to do in school. But imagine signing your name knowing that there's a strong chance you would die. Not just, not just uh, die, but uh, it probably would be uh, a, a humi humiliating experience, a public execution of some time. And I want to read this to you. This is uh, from michaelsmith.com. Um, 
this is something I just came across as I was trying to look up uh, beforehand. But anyway, uh, speaking of those guys who who signed the declaration, this is called uh, this is by Michael W. Smith.com and uh, written in uh, 2015, July 4th. The sacrifices made by the declaration signers. What happened to the signers of the Declaration of Independence? This is the price they paid. Have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants and nine were farmers and large plantation owners, men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept, by the, swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and property to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKeon was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers or both looted the properties of Ellery, Clymer Hall, Walton Grinnett, Hayward Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home from his headquarters, for his headquarters. The owner quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. The home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemies jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his grits mill were laid to waste, and for most of a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning to home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifice of the American Revolution. Those were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. Standing tall, straight, and unwavering, they pledged. Quote, for the support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. End of quote. And unfortunately, as you just heard, for some of them, they did sacrifice their lives. They did sacrifice their fortune. But one thing they did not sacrifice uh, from this quote was their sacred honor. And I want you guys to think about these people uh, when you celebrate the 4th of July and Independence Day, men that gave of their lives. And yes, some of the things I read in there, again, these were these were not flawed, uh, without flawed individuals, okay? It was 1776, it was a different time. We don't want to get into all arguments there about, you know, the things that they did versus, you know, holding them to 2021 standards. I mean, if we do that with everyone in history, we're going to find something wrong with, with people, right? And um, I guarantee you, if you fast forward 200 years from this very moment, some things we are doing in society, uh, people will definitely uh, be disgusted on from, from uh, looking back. So uh, I'm looking at the big picture here with the founding fathers and, and some of these names 
you know, you heard of Benjamin Franklin, you heard of uh, Samuel Adams, John Adams, you've heard of, uh, you know, John Hancock, those are some of the, the famous names that signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, but some of the men there, kind of the forgotten names are those who were killed, who were tortured, lost everything. It reminds me somewhat of the disciples, uh, Jesus's disciples, who a lot of them uh, were, were tortured and, and killed, and they suffered such horrible deaths um, that I think the lesson I, I remembered from uh, leaders and teachings was that they, that for the, they, all they had to do was kind of denounce Jesus Christ, to my knowledge, to, to, if I'm remembering this correctly. And, and they wouldn't do it. And they had to have seen something, experienced something so moving, so real, um, so powerful that they were willing to die these terrible deaths. Cause all the, I mean, all it would have taken was maybe, uh, you know, saying, Oh, maybe I didn't see what I saw or believe what I believe, but so many of the disciples did die such horrible deaths and, uh, not something that's, it's fun to think about and, and not something that's fun to think about for uh, a lot of our founding fathers here, the men that signed the declaration of independence. I encourage you guys to, again, look up some of these things because, um, a lot of people, oh yeah, they wave the flag and, and they they see the fireworks and it's like, oh, okay, one day a year. But this American flag is important to me 365 days a year. And it's interesting that more and more people, like, I don't know, they're offended by the flag. We saw last week with the Olympics, you know, the national anthem being played um, and someone turned their back on the national anthem, turned their back on the, on the flag. And that's sad. It really is. Because so many of the men in this time who sacrificed so much they were looking forward years, uh, you know, into the future about the birth of a nation, about where America could be, what it was unlike anything else on earth. They, they had this vision. And if you go into the, the Constitution specifically, the great detail that the, the founders went into with as far as rule of law and, and uh, you know, uh, what's the uh, balance of power, right? The, uh, the executive, the judicial, the congressional all the different uh, powers and, and things of that nature. So specific, so very specific. And just, uh, they thought of everything almost, which is really crazy to think about uh, for, for men in that time, 1776. Okay. A couple of the things here. I want to go to um, you before the declaration of independence in uh, 1775, I talked about kind of the kickoff, right. Being the July 4th, the, de the, the declaration of independence, 1776, which is amazing that some people don't know, like, those facts like you say hey what's 1776 uh i don't know hey what's fourth july what what is it exactly um when we won the civil war it's like oh my goodness people are so uh, just ignorant to to facts that we should know and i mix up dates here and there but still man how do you not know some of these things anyway I, as a kid, I lived on uh, concord lane in glendora california and so i always remembered this phrase because as a kid at whatever I was third, fourth grade, I recognized my street name in this, uh, this part of history. And so I never forgot it. And so I knew that it was kind of the beginning of the revolutionary war it was before the declaration of independence. And so this was kind of the, the, the pregame, the buildup right to this declaration in 1776. I want to talk to you briefly about the battles of Lexington and Concord. Uh, they were the first military engagements of the American Revolutionary War. The battles were fought on April 19, 1775 in Middlesex County, province of Massachusetts Bay. 
within the towns of Lexington, Concord, Lincoln, uh, Manitomi, and Cambridge. They marked the outbreak of the armed conflict between the Kingdom of Great Britain and its 13 colonies in America. In late 1774, colonial leaders adopted Suffolk resolves in resistance to the alterations made to the Massachusetts colonial government by the British Parliament following the Boston Tea Party. The Colonial Assembly responded by forming a Patriot Provisional Government known as the Massachusetts Provincial Congress and calling for local militias to train for possible hostilities. The colonial government exercised effective control of the colony outside of the British-controlled Boston. In response, the British government in February 1775 declared Massachusetts to be in a state of rebellion. About 700 British Army regulators in Boston under Lieutenant Colonel Francis Smith were given secret orders to capture and destroy colonial military supplies, reportedly stored by the Massachusetts militia at Concord. Through effective intelligence gatherings, Patriot leaders had received word weeks before the expedition that their supplies might be at risk and it had moved most of them to other locations. On the night before the battle, warning of British expeditions had been rapidly sent from Boston to militias in the area by several writers, including Paul Revere and Samuel Prescott, with information about British plans. The initial mode of the Army's arrival by water was signaled from the Old North Church in Boston to Charlestown using lanterns to communicate, one if by land, two if by sea. The first shots were fired just as the sun was rising at Lexington. Eight militiamen were killed, including Ensign Robert Monroe, their third in command. The British suffered only one casualty. The militia was outnumbered and fell back, and the regulars proceeded on to Concord where they broke apart into companies to search for their supplies. At the North Bridge in Concord, approximately 400 militiamen engaged 100 regulars from three companies and the King's troops at about 11 o'clock a.m., resulting in casualties on both sides. The outnumbered regulars fell back from the bridge and rejoined the main body of British forces in Concord. The British forces began their return march to Boston after completing their search for military supplies, and more militiamen continued to arrive from the neighboring towns. Gunfire erupted again between the two sides and continued throughout the day as the regulars marched back towards Boston. Upon returning to Lexington, Lieutenant Colonel Smith's expedition was rescued by reinforcements under Brigadier General Hugh Percy, a future Duke of North Northumberland styled at his at this time the courtesy title Earl Percy. The combined forces of about 1,700 men marched back to Boston under heavy fire in a tactical withdrawal and eventually reached safety of Charlestown. The accumulated militias then blockaded the narrow land access to Charlestown and Boston, starting the siege of Boston. Ralph Walder Emerson describes the first shot fired by the Patriots at the North Bridge in this Concord hymn as the shot heard around the world. Well, that's where it all began. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I can't imagine, I think back to these guys, these, uh, you know, farmers with pitchfork, pitchforks, basically, in some cases, who stood up to this uh, British force, some people that uh, they felt was totally overstepping uh, in their freedoms in these colonies and, uh, you know, taxation 
uh, without representation and just pushing uh, them to the brink of this, to the brink of, uh, of uh, defending yourself. So really, really crazy. I encourage you guys look up anything I mentioned today. I'd like you guys to, uh, to do so because I think it's important, uh, whether it's today or a few days from now, look up something, try to learn something, right? It's so important. We can all wave the American flag, but do we know what it represents? Do we know, uh, you know, the, the 13 stripes on there, the, the, the 50 star, the stars and stripes. I mean, do we know our, our history? I mean, some people don't know what happened last week. We live in this instant age of knowing what's next, what's next and, and not looking back too often, but I think we, we need to do that. And so, um, kind of this entire show today, I do suds with studs on Mondays, right? Talk about heroes and people I'd love to have a beer with. Uh, and, and today's kind of just all about that, uh, you know, raising a, a, a Sam Adams or whatever ale or whatever you guys like to drink. Uh, but raising a glass and talking about some of these, uh, these brave souls way back, uh, over 200 years ago, almost 250 years ago. Now, uh, this article I came across, I wanted to read to you guys, um, what is this mental mental floss mentalfloss.com wow some of these websites i tell you but anyway this this i was blown away by and again this isn't trying to be a history lesson today this is just some information that i think is cool i think it's relevant and to know that you know america they had the regulars they had the army right they they pieced together but again the beauty of the revolutionary war was that it was civilians it was civilians who took up arms to defend themselves against the British army who then came in after, you know, um, they saw that the, the, the colonists, as they call them, were, were trying to form a nation and wanted independence and British came in and it was regular citizens who, who, who stood up to these guys. And uh, again, as you've already heard, sacrificed so much, but here are some people I want to read to you that uh, did some amazing, amazing things. This is 11 ordinary people who aided the revolution. The men who declared American independence in 1776 get their due respect in the history books, but often many of the men and women who helped earn the independence are forgotten. Here are 11 of the unsung heroes who made huge contributions to the American Revolution. Number one, William Dawes. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem only immortalized one of the two brave men who rode through the night on April 18, 1775 to warn John Hancock and Samuel Adams of possible arrest. After learning that the British were preparing to mark, march on Lexington, Dr. Joseph Warren sent Paul Revere to cross the river in a rowboat, while Dawes was responsible for slipping past the British sentries who guarded the land bridge connecting Boston to the rest of Massachusetts. Ultimately, both men made it, with Revere beating Dawes to Lexington by half an hour. So Dawes's equal act of bravery is often overlooked. Dr. Joseph Warren. Warren did more than just dispatch Revere and Dawes. He was steadfast supporter of the revolution in his own right. After the passage of the Townsend Acts in 1767, Warren wrote a series of inflammatory articles for the Boston Gazette under the pseudonym, A True Patriot, that got him and his publishers accused of libel. He was responsible for raising the militia in Boston and was elected second general in command of the Massachusetts forces by the Provincial Congress on June 4th, 1775. Despite his position of command, he went into battle along with the rest of the militia and was killed at the Battle of Bunker Hill. Crispus Attucks. 
This escaped former slave is generally considered to be the first American to die in the revolution. He was working as a merchant seaman in Boston when Samuel Adams called on colonists to demonstrate against the British troops guarding the customs commissions, commissioners. In what became known as the Boston Massacre, 40 to 50 patriots armed with clubs and sticks were fired on by British troops with addicts as the first casualty. Nancy Hart, a calmly rough around the edges frontiers woman, Hart did everything she could to help the Patriot cause while tending to the household during the Revolutionary War. While her husband served in the, mil in the militia, Hart would often disguise herself as a simple-minded man to infiltrate British camps to gather information. Once, she even shot and killed a British soldier in her own home after plying a group of them with wine and stealing their weapons. She held the rest of the group at gunpoint until her husband returned home. Pedro Peter Francisco. The first few years of Francisco's life are a mystery because he was abandoned on, on a dock on the coast of Virginia when he was just four years old. The young boy, thought to be Portuguese, was taken in and raised by the local judge, Anthony Winston. Francisco grew up while the revolution was brewing, and finally at 16, Winston let the already towering boy enlist in the militia. Francisco, who at six foot six was a good foot taller than most of the men of the era, was renowned during the war for his many feats of strength and bravery. One story credits him with carrying a 1,000-pound cannon off the battlefield after defeat so it didn't fall into enemy hands. George Washington himself was said to have called Francisco a, quote, one-man army. Laodicea Langston, known as Dicey, Langston was just a teenager when she started spying to protect her fellow patriots. Although her immediate family also supported the revolution, with her brothers joining the Continental Army, many of their friends and neighbors remained loyal to King George. Langston used these connections to gather information about the enemy. In one particular instance, she got word that the Bloody Scouts band of Tories was headed towards her brother's camp. To warn them, she traveled on foot all night through the woods and icy waters of the Ennery River, arriving in time to save their lives. By the time she got home, the Bloody Scouts were threatening her, her father at gunpoint. She threw herself in front of him, so impressing the Tories that they spared both Langston's. Betsy Hager. Orphaned at the age of nine, Hager became what was known as a bound girl, working as a servant for different families to earn her keep. In doing so, she picked up an array of skills atypical for women at this time. When the war broke out, she put those skills to use by working with blacksmith Samuel Leverett to refurbish old British guns and artillery for use by the Continental Army. She also cared for injured soldiers, picking up skills she used, she would use after the war when she practiced medicine. Hannah Arnett. Arnett herself didn't participate in the action of the Revolutionary War quite as much as home of the others on this list, but with her words, she reached many of the men who did. In 1776, a group of men in Elizabethtown, where she lived, met to discuss abandoning the Revolutionary War and pledge their loyalty to Great Britain and, tr and to try to ensure their safety in the coming war. 
Barging in on the meeting, Arnett called the men cowards and traitors and even threatened to leave her husband if he sided with the king. The men were swayed by her words and remained loyal to the revolution. Roger Sherman. Somehow, Sherman gets forgotten while his fellow founding fathers are lauded. He held a number of political positions in our fledging country, including associate justice on the Supreme Court of the colony and the first mayor of New Haven. In addition to his various day jobs, Sherman helped draft the Declaration of Independence and, in fact, is responsible for the nation's uh, bicameral congressional system. Although often overlooked, he was the only member of, Congress, of the Continental Congress who signed all four of the great state papers, the Association of 1774, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. Joseph Plum Martin. Martin was a typical soldier in the Revolutionary War. He joined the Connecticut State Militia at just 15 years old and went on to serve almost seven years in the Continental Army of General George Washington. What set Martin apart is that he kept a detailed diary during the war and many years later published an anonymous account based on that diary entitled A Narrative of Some of the Adventures, Dangers, and Sufferings of a Revolutionary War Soldier. Interparished with anecdotes of incidents that occurred within his own observation, although it sold poorly during his lifetime, the book was republished over 100 years later under the title Private Yankee Doodle and shed some light on the daily life on the men who made independence possible. And finally, Jeremiah O'Brien. O'Brien was responsible for the first naval victory in the Revolutionary War. Just as tensions be between the British and colonists were coming to a head in 1775, the Unity and Polly ships arrived in Machias, Maine, with much-needed supplies from Boston. When they arrived, however, residents were outraged to find that the ships were accompanied by the British-armed schooner Margareta, which had been sent to retrieve lumber to build British barracks. When attempts to capture the Margareta, Captain with attempts to capture the Margaretas, captain and lieutenant on land failed, O'Brien led a group of 40 men armed with guns, swords, axes, and pitchforks aboard of the Unity to engage Margareta at sea. After the British captain was killed, the colonists claimed weaponry from the ship and the first victory of naval victory of the war. Well, those are just stories of 11 ordinary people who uh, great, committed great, uh, well, committed great acts, uh, great sacrifice really uh, during the Revolutionary War. Um, took up arms, do whatever was necessary. And again, a lot of these people did things that they weren't doing for notoriety because these were ordinary people. A lot of these names you've never heard of. Maybe you have in some history books here and there, um, but there's so many great stories of people who, who uh, demonstrated amazing courage and did amazing uh, acts like this in the Revolutionary War. It took it took a village, as they say, right? It took an entire country. It took all 13 colonies, all the people. And there was pushback. There was plenty of people who said, nah, let's just come on. We don't, we're, we're overreacting. Let the British just control us. Let us, guys, we don't need to do this. I don't want to lose my, my home or my family. Let's, let's just try to live in peace. Okay, there's plenty of people like that. But there was enough people who were pissed off and outraged and courageous enough to step forward and say, no, no, we're not getting pushed around. We want our independence. So I love reading up on people like that because there was a ton of 
just ordinary people, ordinary civilians, farmers who just wanted to, you know, to plow their own land, uh, you know, people who wanted to pursue a new life here in the United States colonies. I've said this to you guys before, but I want to say it again. Uh, One of the best shows I've ever watched was called Turn, and it was originally on AMC, um, but it's on Netflix, or at least it was recently. And uh, it's a five or six season show, whatever it is. And it's about George Washington's spies during the Revolutionary War. And it, it was really interesting. It, it's still the best finale I've ever seen in any show anywhere. The last five minutes are among the best I've ever seen on any, any television show. And I, and I really mean that. I, I, it's going to be hard to top. So, But it starts out a little slow in the first episode. But by the end of the first episode, you're sucked in. Because you're like, whoa, okay. You hear about the Revolutionary War. You think you know what it was about. But in order to compete with the British army, there was a lot of spying. There was a lot of espionage. And, and keep in mind, back then, there was no technology. They had to really be uh, intricate in, in communication and in their names and kind of uh, uh, allegedly you know, pledging their allegiance to, uh, to, to the Great Britain, to England. Uh, it, it's just so well done. You guys got to watch it. Uh, it, it really takes you uh, into the 1770s there and uh, the Revolutionary War and, and all the sacrifice, the violence. I mean, this wasn't just, uh, you know, lining up and shooting a couple people and then, okay, yep, they dropped, we give up. No, it was, it was very violent, very violent time. And uh, I, I can't, I can't not uh, recommend it enough. Turn, T-U-R-N, uh, great, great show. George, they, they show George Washington, great portrayal of him, I thought, in it. But it just talks about the, the people that were responsible uh, for information. Information was king back then. And, and remember, there was no walkie-talkies or radio or, or technology, things of that nature. It was really, really well done. And so if you want an insight into the Revolutionary War, um, and, and not only that, it's a, good, it's a good story. Like, it's all based on true events and real people. Uh, and there's probably liberties taken here and there. But when you think about it after, you're like, man, not only is this a good story with twists and turns, like a lot of this anyway, really happened. And so it'll make you appreciate uh, America, I think, and its, and its founding, its foundations, uh, and just to see the real struggle uh, that people had to go through to, uh, to get there, to get what we have uh, today. Okay, I want to read something to you guys. So I know the national anthem is, uh, well, I shouldn't say this. It, it's, it, it's somewhat controversial, right? Uh, people take knees or turn their back on it. Uh, you know, uh, they just they don't think it represents them for, for whatever reason. They, they, they want to go into, well, uh, this person wrote this and they did, and, and they committed these acts of, uh, uh, you know, these horrible acts in their life. They were, this person who wrote this song wasn't perfect. Well, this lyric, have you seen this lyric and this stanza? Oh my goodness. Uh, it's funny to me, the, uh, the criticism of lyrics uh, from long ago when uh, the lyrics in today's music is, is, uh, is uh, quite non-inspiring. I mean, uh, there's a few words that are often repeated over and over again that uh, are quite appalling, but that, that's, that's just me. What am, I, what am I saying? It is rather funny though. Same people that want to pick apart, well, there's a comma here in this stanza where there shouldn't be uh, are, are the same people that uh, you know make a lot of money saying a lot of bad words in songs. Anyway, we want to debate the national anthem and different stanzas and things of that nature. Fine, we can do that. But what I'm going to do right now Let's talk to you about the Star Spangled Banner, the uh, the great national anthem of ours. And uh, I don't know if many people know this, but it was not uh, the it did not become 
the national anthem of the United States until 1931 officially. So uh, it's not that uh, long ago, just what, 90 years ago, where it became our national anthem. And uh, the history of the national anthem, Star Spangled Banner, it was not written during the Revolutionary War. Uh, it was written during the uh, War of 1812 specifically. It was written, War of 1812. I don't know why they called it War of 1812 when it, you know, it went longer than 1812. But uh, anyway, the war that started in 1812, however you want to say it. Um, but I'll read a few things to you guys about the national anthem because it, it is, it's a great song. I mean, as, as we recorded this episode here, I was getting a little emotional listening to it. Um, and I have a few thoughts about the song and, and, um, and what I'm going to read you here in a second. But uh, a little more coffee here. It's a little colder, but. God bless everyone out there, man. I hope you're having a great 4th of July or had one and are keeping the party going here on the 5th. All right. Star Spangled Banner was the garrison flag that flew over Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor during the naval portion of the Battle of Baltimore during the War of 1812. Uh, Seeing the flag flying over Fort McHenry on the morning of September 14th, 1814, after the battle ended, Francis Scott Key was inspired to write the poem Defiance of Fort M. Fort McHenry. These words were written by Key and set to the tune of To Anacreon in Heaven by John Stafford Smith, a popular song at the time. It was not until 1931 that the song became the national anthem of the United States. Okay, briefly here. In Baltimore's preparation for an expected attack on the city, Fort McHenry was made ready to determine the to defend the city's harbor. When Major George Armistead expressed the desire for a very large flag to fly over the fort, General John S. Stricker and Commodore Joshua Barney placed an order with a prominent Baltimore flag maker for two oversized American flags. The larger of the two flags would be the Great Garrison flag, the largest flag ever flown at the time. The smaller of the two flags would be the Storm flag to be more durable and less prone to fouling in inclement weather. Let's see here. Sorry, I had this all queued up for you guys. Uh, Okay. The flag was flown over the fort when 5,000 British soldiers and a fleet of 19 ships attacked Baltimore on September 12, 1814. The bombardment turned to Fort McHenry on the evening of September 13th and continuous shelling occurred for 25 hours under heavy rain. When the British ships were unable to pass the fort and penetrate the harbor, the attack was ended. And on the morning of September 14th, when the battered flag still flew among the ramparts, it was clear that Fort McHenry remained in America's hands. This revelation was famously captured in poetry by Francis Scott Key, an American lawyer and amateur poet. Being held by the British on a truce ship in the Patamsco River, Key observed the battle from afar. When he saw the garrison flag still flying at the dawn of the morning of the 14th, he composed a poem he originally titled titled, Defense of Fort McHenry. The poem would be put to the music of the common tune retitled the Star Spangled Banner. And a portion of it would later be adopted as a United States national anthem. Since its arrival at the Smithsonian, the flag has undergone multiple preservation efforts. What I gather from that and what I think about every 4th of July when I see fireworks 
is the words of Francis Scott Key, uh, the dawn's early light, awakening, looking out. Remember, he was on a ship of, by the, it, with the British. He was on a ship that was looking out at Fort McHenry. And he was surrounded really by ships that were bombarding this place. And I don't know how much he slept through the night. Um, I don't know exactly if he just stared at it all night or what. What he was expecting to see when the sun rose the next morning. But what he did see was that star-spangled banner. That American flag blowing in the wind. And I got to imagine that it was pretty torn apart. It was probably maybe had some bullet holes in it. Maybe had, uh, I don't know, was probably, you know, maybe pieces of it just kind of flailing there. And, and for him to see that, I'm sure for him to write the song, write the poem, he was so moved by it, knowing that when he looked out in the morning when the sun rose, it was probably going to be death and destruction and maybe a British flag flying. But that American flag, that star-spangled banner was still waving. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. Think of that phrase. Think of it. Close your eyes. Think about what it means to know that as the sun was setting, that flag was flying, getting just blown to bits, everything around it, everything the British had, 25 hours, they said, of constant bombardment, an entire day. And when the sun rises, maybe it was a couple sun sunrises, uh, early morning one day all the way till the next day. That's probably what it was. And at the dawn's early light, there's the broad stripes and bright stars in the perilous fight. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Nighttime, there weren't street lights. There wasn't a light that lit up the flag uh, as is most custom today in flagpoles. The only thing that made it visible to those looking for it were the bombs and explosions going off. Every time a bomb went off, the rockets, the red glare, the bombs bursting in air, every explosion lit up the sky and you could see the flag swaying, blowing in the wind. And with every explosion, you're just hoping that it's still there. Is the flag still there? Because if the flag's still there, that means the fight is still on, the perilous fight. Well, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? I think of those last few words every time I hear the national anthem. Land of the free and the home of the brave. 
This is the freest nation on earth. And I've talked about the mistakes that have been made, not specifically, but I think we all kind of know the errors, right, that, that America has committed. And uh, there, there's a lot of uh, things that have occurred in this country that are not specific just to America that happened everywhere. Um, but I would argue with anybody who thinks that this is not the most free place in the world and uh, definitely has is home to uh, some of the bravest individuals who ever walk, has walked this, this world, this, have walked this earth. So um, to those that want to continually point out problems and uh, the American flag, uh, discuss them, well, they discuss me quite a bit, the people that do that, because they want to look at maybe the dust or the little stains on the American flag and not look at the big picture of to what it stands for. It stands for everybody. And yet some people don't want to see that. They want to just be negative, be disgusted. They don't enjoy the freedom that they have. They think uh, you know, America is no place to live, no place to do what you do, what you think is possible. I don't know. I, I'm at a loss for words, really, the people that are so ungrateful for it. But um, man, I, there's not a better place in this world. And I hope that we uh, we continue to to remember that somehow, some way. Because the last thing I want to say about this, the national anthem, is is that flag up in the in Fort McHenry that was so battered, so beaten, that in, inspired Francis Scott Key to write down those words. I kind of feel this way a little bit about America right now. America, if you use the symbolism of a flag, it's got holes in it. It's it's just, it's torn, it's ripped. It's, um, it's being ripped down in some places. America is that way right now. It's, and this was an attack from the outside, right? From the British, from the seas in Baltimore, firing on the, the fort and the American flag. Well, today we have this attack from like within. The, the enemy is not on our shores. It's within our, our uh our cities now it's within America. There's an attack from inside instead of outside. And it, it's pretty sad, but my hope is that all of us can like Francis Scott's key and see that flag out there that is beaten. It's, 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 uh, it's not, it's not defeated yet. That flag is still waving and it's taken a lot of bullet holes. There's blood stains on it. There's uh, all kinds of uh, attacks on it these days. But it's still waving. The Star Spangled Banner is still waving. And everything it stands for, I think, represents so many people. It represents us. And it even represents the people that despise that flag, which is crazy to think about. So I know a lot of people are waving their flags today on the 4th of July, and then they'll put them away and not do it again for another 364 days. But I think that flag does need to be flown. And it needs to be flown everywhere, all the time, all the time, and not uh, not disgraced, not uh, kicked around, not burned. Um, because the the imagery again, I, I wish there'd be more Francis Scott Key and all of us looking at that flag and be like, look at America is is under siege right now. 
but I believe in it continuing to stand, continuing to wave. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? Okay, one final thing here I wanted to uh, to kind of loosen things up with. And I uh, just discussed, I saw this on Facebook. Uh, it's called History Hustle. Apparently, they got some pretty good um, little posts and things. And it shows a picture of uh, George Washington. And uh, it's a very short paragraph. But I thought it was funny. And, and I want you guys to remember this. For those of you that you know like to like to partake in some uh, liquid libations and such, especially on a day like the 4th of July or July 5th, of course, as we have that extra day to celebrate. Uh, I thought this was rather funny and I shared it with uh, my brother, uh, but I want to share it with you guys right now. The bar tab of a 1787 farewell party for George Washington was left intact and legible. According to the bill, the founding fathers drank 54 bottles of Madeira, 60 bottles of Claret, 8 bottles of whiskey, 22 bottles of porter, 8 bottles of hard cider, 12 of beer, and 4 bowls of alcoholic punch. There were only 55 attendees. So when they say bottles, they're not talking about like a little beer bottle. They're talking about the big bottles of uh, a whiskey or I don't even know what some of these are. I know what Madeira is, uh, hard cider uh, bottles and, and of course beer. So uh, founding fathers throwing them back, man, in 1787, a farewell for our first president, George Washington. Uh, farewell party for what? I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, I saw that. I don't know how much of that is true. I got to imagine it is, but history hustle. Uh, wrote that was on there and I shared that I go man founding fathers know how to party we we need to do the same man and you know what after after winning your independence and starting a new new nation uh you know waving American flag and kind of started things out this new government I think there was reason to celebrate I, I really do I mean we always look forward to a happy new year and big celebration there but imagine starting a, a new nation happy new nation happy happy independence so I thought that was rather funny but uh, guys, 4th of July to me really means uh, you try to do something fun, right? Pool party, barbecue, cooking up some good stuff. I think we're going to throw some steaks on tomorrow. Uh, maybe a few beers. Maybe uh, you pull out some of your nice liquor for the special occasion. Usually a pool party, right? Um, it could be anything, whatever you do. And then that sun goes down, you get the fireworks. And, and never forget that you know the fireworks, what they represent is is those bombs, those, those explosions and things that uh, so many of our brave soldiers have gone through, not just in the Revolutionary War, but all throughout history. And so I think about uh, those really loud ones, those really big ones, right, that kind of shake the earth a little bit and knowing that, hey, these are just fireworks. These aren't uh, the explosions that uh, our troops have had to go through and things. But there's just something about that that twilight, that that time between the sun going down and then it getting dark and all of a sudden it's firework time and everyone maybe uh, throw some s'mores together or has some ice cream and uh, heads out to the fireworks spot. We never went to like a stadium or anything. My dad and mom that we always drove us, there was a big fireworks thing at Citrus college every year. And we lived in Glendora and that was a big uh, football stadium. And we drive 
to a spot that was not quite close there, close enough, but a spot where we could see it. And I remember we flipped down the old, uh, my dad's Bronco and we'd sit in the back seat and watch the, uh, the fireworks show. And of course, no crowds, no traffic. We can get home easy, but we usually brought some sodas or something. So those are my uh, fondest memories of uh, 4th of July. A few, a few pool parties, of course, at my, uh, my aunt's house, barbecues and things. Those were always great, but just a time to be around family, to wear the American flag proudly, even though we should do it uh, 365 days a year. And uh, just some fun, fun memories. So whatever you're doing, hopefully, uh, you know, the drinks are cold, the grill is hot, and uh, we can reflect on our history a little bit because uh, we, 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 do, we celebrate these holidays. We talked about Memorial Day about a month ago and the sacrifice of so many people. Well, we got to think about the people that sacrificed a lot of their lives and took a chance, took a chance on the greatest nation uh, in the United States of America. A uh, couple things here as we close. For the, for, I know not many people listen on Mondays, so I do want to kind of reward you guys a little bit with knowing who's coming on the show on Friday, our long form interview on Friday, you know, Wednesdays are the weekly Wednesday weigh in with Bill Barnes. But for those of you that listen on Mondays, I want to give you the sneak peek as to who's coming on Friday. And I know I do a Facebook post on Thursdays or, or on, on all social media to kind of let you guys know who is coming on. But anyway, uh, our guest on Friday, for those real Hondo prep fans out there, um, it is going to be Dave Joe. I locked down an interview with him. I've already recorded it. It was outstanding. Dave Joe from the class of 1991 will be our guest on Friday uh, this week. So for you, those of you that listen on Mondays, uh, hey, that's your reward for, for not only hearing my thrown together 4th of July show here, but also to uh, get a little sneak peek. So Dave Joe, we're going to talk about Real Hondo Pro Football. We're going to talk about his good friend, Pete Clark talk about golf, talk about business. I mean, just a ton of great things. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with Dave Joe. So stay tuned for that on Friday. Of course, Wednesday is Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Uh, it does look like the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win their uh, second consecutive uh, Stanley Cup final. They are ahead three games to none as I sit here on Sunday. Game four is Monday night. And I thought it was disappointing. Uh, the Canadian government uh, shocking is not letting Americans, uh, the families of those players for Tampa Bay up across the border to possibly be there for uh, a victory, uh, the final game of a series. So that was very disappointing, but just one more reason why we fought, we fly the American flag and uh, we're better. I like the Canadians. They're, they're usually good people, but man, America, 4th of July, come on, Canada, open your border, open your border. It's just a couple of people. You can test them and do whatever you need to, but it's just the families of a few people, uh, of the players and things. And then finally the college world series, great college world series. Uh, I want to congratulate both Mississippi state and North Carolina state on a 2021 national championship. Yes, I am declaring them co-champs, co COVID champs, maybe COVID champs. I don't know. Uh, North Carolina State uh, did not uh, make it through the uh, the College World Series. They were sent home early. Uh, but you know what? They only had one loss. Mississippi State, two losses. Two losses on their way to winning the national championship. Once lo one, lost one in bracket play and then lost uh, once in the College World Series finals. So I'm declaring North Carolina State co-champs with Mississippi State. No one needs to. Uh, to agree with me, but that's what I'm doing. Mississippi State, big wins over Vanderbilt uh, after being behind game one and then winning games two and three on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
And I got to say this about Mississippi State fans. What a party that looked like. They brought the whole uh, city of, uh, where are they from? Um, Starkville, Stark Vegas, as they call it. They brought it to, to Omaha. Uh, some, some alums were there. Dak Prescott was there celebrating uh, his national championship. It was like, hey, Dak, this is, this is what a championship looks like for you and your Cowboy fans. Championship victory. Crazy. I know. That's just my, my slam and dig at uh, Cowboy fans. And then, uh, yeah, there were plenty of other uh, Mississippi State. Jonathan Papelbon and uh, uh, not Julio Frank. What, who am I thinking? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, the guy, Rafael Palmero, there it is. He was there at Celebration too. So a big night for Mississippi State in, uh, in, on Wednesday as they won the College World Series. And what I thought was awesome, this is why I'm saying this, um, is that Mississippi State, man, yeah, they're proud of their, their team and everything, but man, the patriotism I saw from some of the shots and, the, and a lot of American flags, a lot of people just living their lives, celebrating their team, celebrating America. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to wrap up the College World Series and head into the 4th of July weekend. So guys, thanks for listening today. I truly mean it. I know those that listen on uh, Mondays, you guys are not as great or big as the, the, you know, everyone else who tunes in for the guests on the show, but I appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for uh, bearing with my American flag set up here for those listening and not watching on YouTube, man, we've got American flags everywhere. Can't get enough of them. I wanted even more, but couldn't throw it together on short notice. Hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to everyone out there. Appreciate and, uh, you know, look up our, our freedoms. Look up the history we have because it's important uh, to know where it all began and to wh- what it's led to in the greatest nation in the history of the earth. Yes, I am saying it. So if you want to fight with me, argue with me, by all means, let's do it. Guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Happy 4th of July. Enjoy the 5th of July. Uh, hopefully most people are off. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday with Bill Barnes and Friday with Dave Joe going to be a great week of shows, but guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe and God bless the United States of America. Thank you for listening to this episode of the get home safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the get home safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is get home safe pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is get home safe podcast. And our email address is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the get home safe podcast anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like apple spotify google and many more we also have a youtube channel that is brand new for us not a whole lot of content on there yet but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time so lots of options out there guys we'd love to hear from you send us an email offer uh, some suggestions or content the uh, topics or uh, just ask us some random questions we always appreciate that i know bill barnes does especially on wednesdays so uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the get home safe podcast on mondays wednesdays and fridays guys have a great rest of the week and as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe mm-hmm.